You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy. We are wrapping up our sermon series on Sabbath today. Um, we've spent four weeks talking about that. And we've, uh, we've used three videos thus far from our friend Marty Solomon. <clears throat> and uh, he recorded a fourth one for us here about contemplate. And you're like, what? Rob talked about contemplate last week. Why didn't we use the video then? Because we didn't want to. We wanted to use it this week. So we decided that we would start off this week with the video. Uh, and so he'll be reviewing a little bit of contemplate, but also just kind of wrapping up all of the things that he's said in the four videos. So we'll just start off with what Marty has to say in his video here. Sabbath Diaries number four. It's time for part four of uh, the Sabbath Diaries. And um, we've been talking about these ideas of stopping resting, delighting, and now today contemplating. And uh, I mentioned last week, there was almost this ebb and flow. There's almost this breathing in and breathing out of these four realities of what Sabbath does. There's this, there's this kind of stepping back, there's this leaning back, and then there's this stepping in and leaning in. And, and so there's the, there's the idea of stopping. And in every one of these kind of steps, you, you engage it in a different way and you get something. Like Sabbath does something to you. Uh, Sabbath is a gift, we said last week. Like Sabbath keeps gifting you stuff. So in the first kind of reality, you step back and you stop. Like there's a stopping. And we said that the very act of stopping has the power to tell us a story, like to tell us a narrative. So you step back, but then you step in. Like you lean in and you find, you lean into rest and you find the presence of God, the gift is kind of the presence of God himself. And then you step back out from that presence and you get delight. Like you, you step back and you step in, you step back again and you find that like space of delighting and the delight that doesn't come from self-indulgence, not a delight of doing what you want, but a delight of, of, of finding God and finding truth with a capital T, like Sabbath is about truth telling. And so then after that stepping back, you step back in and you contemplate, you engage the process, you engage the gift that is Sabbath. And, and what does this look like for me? Well, Sabbath has been this continual learning process. Um, I have learned, I started out with baby steps, just tiny baby steps. I love the four words that Rob chose here, stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating because they fit four words that I chose. I remember when I started doing Sabbath, for me to understand Sabbath from a, a truly comprehensive Jewish, Orthodox Jewish perspective would have been far too much. It would have been stifling. Uh, there are so many things to learn. I, I, I don't live. I don't worship. I don't, I didn't grow up in an Orthodox Jewish community. To try to do that, to try to play that game would have been inappropriate on some level and impossible on others. So I started really simply, and I just wanted to be able to teach the truth of Sabbath to my kids. And at that point, my kids were like two years old, three, four years old. How do you teach Sabbath to a three-year-old? And so we came up with a family mantra, a Sabbath slogan, if you will, 
where we said Sabbath. If you were to ask my kids today, who are now 10 and 11 years old, if you were to ask them, like, what is, what is Sabbath? They would say, Dad, we rest, we play, no work, God loves us. We rest, we play, no work, God loves us. It's the same four elements that Rob brought to the table. It's the same four elements. We rest, there's rest. We play, there's delight. No work, there's stopping. God loves us, that's the contemplation. For me, I started with something that simple. That simple. On Saturday, those are the guiding principles. It starts Friday night at sundown for us as Jews, as a Jewish family. Friday night at sundown. What do we start at sundown? Resting, playing. We stop working, and it's all because God loves us. I bet we spent like just one or two years just in that simple space. And we would ask ourselves, like, what are we going to do this Sabbath? Is this okay to do? And it, the, the answer was, did it fit that mantra? Was it about resting? Was it about playing? Was it about ceasing our work? Did it remind us that God loved us? If the answer was yes, then that's what we did. A lot of people ask me, am I doing Sabbath right? Am I doing it right? If you're asking the question, am I doing Sabbath right? The answer is no, no matter what you're doing. Because if you're worried about doing it right, you're doing it wrong. In my mind, eh, I'm not sure if a Orthodox Jew would resonate with that, but in my mind, if you're trying to do Sabbath right and you're worried about doing it right, you're automatically doing Sabbath wrong. And so we started there simply, just super simply. And then we grew and we grew because Sabbath should always draw us into contemplation. Sabbath should always invite us into a space where we get to think about more and more and more the truth of who God is, who we are, and what God's doing in the world. And so Sabbath needs to do that work. And so as I grow and develop, my observance of Sabbath grows and develops. And so that's become very true for us. And part of the ways that we've grown in Sabbath is the way that we prepare for Sabbath. When I started doing Sabbath, I didn't really prepare. I did nothing in preparation. I didn't want to get worked up on it. I wanted to spend six days working. And then Friday night, I just wanted to turn it off. I wanted to stop working. I wanted to rest. I wanted to play. No work. God loves us. I don't know, a couple of years into observing Sabbath, I was learning more about the Jewish perspective of Sabbath. I had read some books from um, classical Jewish authors. I had and one of the things I noticed was how, how hard they worked to prepare for Sabbath. So that the moment Sabbath started, they were ready. Over the past few years, I've started doing more and more preparation. And the preparation I do before Sabbath has helped the contemplation piece more than anything. We started something really, really simple. When we, when we started preparing for Sabbath, we started buying flowers on Friday night before sundown. We'd head down. We, we lived right across the street from a Safeway. We'd walk right across the street to Safeway. We'd grab a little cheap bouquet of flowers and we'd bring it home. Not only was it a wonderful family activity, sometimes with my son, sometimes with my daughter or my wife, um, sometimes all of us together, but it, it prepared a mental space for me. The preparation helped me contemplate what was happening. Um, so just, uh, and then we've just continued to grow. We've continued to think about our Sabbath plans beforehand so we can be even more prepared, have things more ready so that Sabbath can be a true Sabbath space. We've continued to, you know, I continue to study this tradition from the, this Jewish tradition of lighting candles on Shabbat. 
I continue to wonder if that's going to be one of this next year or the year after that or one of these years. Am I going to start the tradition of lighting Sabbath candles um, because of its ability? Again, because of its ability, not because of the rule, not because of some legalistic, this is what you do for a set, but because of the, the tradition's ability to tell me the truth of Sabbath, to tell me the truth of Sabbath, and to help me contemplate. So my encouragement is, to just keep growing, to be okay with the fact that when you start, it will be horribly incomplete. Or should I say, it will be beautifully incomplete. And as the days and the years and the seasons pass, continue to grow, continue to evolve, and continue to let the practice be shaped by your time. So I hope this whole little journey has been good. I look forward to hear the stories. Um, I just, I just, I just, I know, I know, I can promise you this. If you create space, if you create space for a Shabbat in your life, God will fill that space. I don't know how he'll fill it. I don't know what your experience will be, but I promise you, if you create space in Sabbath, God will fill that space in your life. And I, I would look forward to hearing those stories. So have a great time. Shabbat Shalom. I love a lot of things about that video, but my favorite part is the kids, talking about how he teaches Sabbath to his kids. And I remember because that's how I first heard him talk about Sabbath a billion and a half years ago when I was in college. Um, we stop, no work, we rest, we rest, no work, we play, God loves us. I, just the simplicity of that resonates with the five-year-old that dwells within me because uh, I'm just a five-year-old with a beard, I'm really just a, a small child. But I really love that. Just the, the starting with a baby step, if you will. And then that challenge at the end, that's really kind of why we wanted that this week. Because this, this last week talking about putting all four pieces together and what do we do with Sabbath? What is this as we move forward We've talked about it. We've wrestled with it. What do we do with Sabbath moving forward? What's the purpose, the white hot why of why we Sabbath? That if you create that Sabbath space, if you create that space, that God will fill it. So let's take one more shot this week at expressing why it's so incredibly important. If you're like, oh man, I still just don't, not quite there. Good news. We got one more. We got one more shot why it's so important to create that space at the core of you for God to dwell in. So let's start with reviewing our, our definition, what, the definition of what we've called Sabbath here at Mission Ridge. It's a weekly 24-hour period we choose to set apart to cease from our regular routine so that we can intentionally engage with God, we can intentionally engage with ourselves, and we can intentionally engage with those that are important to us, Okay. Those, those, all three of those sound like relationship. They sound relational. To engage with God sounds relational. To engage with myself, kind of a weird kind of self-reflection relational, sure. Uh, and to engage with others, definitely relational. And when you think of relationship, what's the first thing in the Bible that you think of? Well, it's obviously the Ten Commandments, right? May, maybe not, maybe not. Hopefully it will be now, though. 
So for those of us that went to discipleship last week, Mike's probably in there laughing. Uh, we, we talked about this. The, the Ten Commandments are all relational. They're all about relationship. I put it in the bulletin, a little snide, like the Ten Relationship Commandments or Relational Commandments. I can't remember how I worded it. But uh, all, all ten of these are about protecting and guarding relationship. Over here, we, you know, you're probably familiar with these uh, to some degree, even if you've never been in church. This is, this is probably something you've heard of, at least some of them, right? Uh, but on the left side here, we've got these commandments that all kind of deal with God or then five, their honor mom and dad. Um, we'll get to that in a second. And then on the left here, we've got the, the don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't, you know, don't kill somebody, no adultery, no stealing, false witness, no coveting that don't do these. So it's broken into two, two groups here, we can imagine it. This left-hand side are all vertical relationships. It's me and God. It's me and my parents who are above me, despite my teen years and what I thought, right? But it's a vertical relationship, right? It's, a, it's aligning with authority. It's aligning this vertical relationship. And then the the last half of the Ten Commandments, six through ten, are all about horizontal relationships, right? Kyle, if I murdered you, it would probably be bad for our friendship, right? Okay, yeah. Point in case, right? And, and Sabbath gets involved in these first five here. So Sabbath is, is somehow vertically aligns us with God. It, it, it aligns this relationship. Observing Sabbath protects relationship with God. We're going to kind of lean into that today of what it means to, to align and protect this relationship and develop that relationship and put that relationship at our core. And what happens if we put that at our core? Because keeping Sabbath is relational. It's an act of worship that reminds me of a divine order. I was having a conversation with Marty a couple of weeks ago because I had a question. I'm like, I don't know how to talk about this with, with some people about, you know, we're talking about discipleship and, and, and talking about Sabbath and how to wrestle through some stuff because I was just like, I don't know how to do this. Have, have you ever experienced this? And so we had a discipleship conversation. Hashtag next steps. Anyone? Uh, Kyle got it. <laughs> All right. One. Uh, anyway, so we're talking and he says, it's this act of worship that reminds him of the divine order. And I really like this. It reminds me that he is God and I am not. When I come back and I observe Sabbath and I stop and I rest and delight and contemplate, I am reminded that he is God and I am not. Imagine it this way. We can all stop. Every single person on the planet can stop for one day. And the universe is going to continue to expand. The world's going to keep spinning. The birds are going to chirp. The flowers are going to bloom. Nothing that any of us do is mission critical to the propitiation of the universe. Like we're, we're not that big a deal, despite what Ron Burgundy says in Anchorman. We're not that big a deal. We're okay. <clears throat> and we, and this, when we stop and we rest, it reminds us that Oh yeah, you're God, I'm not. I can just calm down a little bit. And it keeps that relationship in a healthy place. Sabbath is about your relationship with God. And ignoring Sabbath, hot take here, ignoring Sabbath is like telling God that you don't have time for him. 
which is uncomfortable probably for a lot of us. We're going to sit in that and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go through the four weeks here real quick. And we're going to look at it with a lens of relationship. What does it look like to look at Sabbath as relationship? So the first week we talked about stopping. If you remember this, we talked about that. You're not a slave. God implements Sabbath to remind the Hebrews that they are no longer slaves in Egypt. This is their first introduction to it. And in Deuteronomy 15, he says, if only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord, your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord, your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord, your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So to remind them that they are no longer slaves in Egypt, that they can stop their production is not where their worth comes from. He implements the Sabbath for them. He reminds them of the Sabbath and he says, you guys need to keep this. Remember this and keep it holy. That you're a human being, not a human doing. It's a catchy phrase that you might hear thrown around every once in a while. It's, it's not about what you do. It's not about your busyness or the people that you take care of or, or your job or how much you make or anything like that. It's not about that. It's about that you are created in God's image and you just inherently have worth. And you can sit on Sabbath and rest in that and revel in that. Okay, so let's, let's, let's imagine a relationship here. We're going to paint a picture of a relationship. Maybe imagine your significant other, uh, dating relationship, marriage relationship, just a friendship. Any of that will work, right? So imagine you and your friend. If you never stopped, never slowed down, you were constantly just too busy. Too busy, too busy, too busy. There was never any time for that significant other. What sort of relationship is relationship relationship is that going to be, Kyle? If you never spend any time with Anne, how was that going to go? Yeah, not so good. <laughs> Anne's like, nope, nope. Might be might be all right for a little bit, right? No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. We'll get we'll get to rest in a second here. Uh, <clears throat> so if you never stop, if you're constantly you never make time for that person, it's going to be bad for the relationship. It's going to be unhappy. You need to stop to make time for people. Let's talk about rest, because that's going to obviously be less hard-hitting on ourselves. That's, that's not true. If, if you never rest, if you're, if you're constantly just going, 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 and you're just exhausted all the time, and then you finally get some time with that person, I finally get to hang out with my buddy, and I'm, I'm just like, I got nothing in the tank. I'm exhausted. Or you're grumpy, Right? You get, to, you get to date night and you're like, I've just been running all week and now you're just angry that you have to spend time with this person because you really just want to nap? Yikes. We need to rest. We need to rest. If you're just exhausted and grumpy, that significant other, that relationship is going to suffer. That's going to create conflict. That's going to create tension. How many times have you experienced tension in your relationship with God? Are you resting? Or are you coming to God grumpy all the time? Yikes. Been there, done that. Have the t-shirt. And so on Sabbath, we rest from our paid and our unpaid work. 
like Sabbath level 1000 is you, you, you're like, I, I got all of my chores done. All of the bills are paid and I can just relax with God. Fantastic. We rest from our paid and our unpaid work. You do things that replenish and refresh you. When we rest, we replenish and refresh. A lot of times these things will look similar to the things that you delight in. So then we would move on to delight here. Imagine in this relationship that you're, that you're picturing um, that you never have any fun with that person. I'm just going to keep throwing you guys under the bus. Sorry, you're in the front row. That's what you get. Kyle, and if you guys never had any fun together, like you guys, like just, you, you, you would get together, sure, and spend time together, absolutely. But it was always serious conversations all the time. You never like went and floated the river or did anything actually fun. Just constantly hard, just difficult conversations. Eventually, that's going to get exhausting probably, right? That doesn't sound like a fun relationship. It doesn't sound real, real life-giving. I've been in some relationships like that, and, and they, they didn't last very long because it was like, I'm just, nope, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm exhausted by this. If you never have fun with that significant other, with that other person, then it's going to be cold. It's going to be dead. It's going to be an unhappy relationship. Are you delighting in your God? Because if you're in relationship with God, we should probably be doing things that we can delight with him in. Often in church, we associate delight with sin. I think that's a broken lens. That is not the way to look at things. See, because God delights in his creation. You remember back in Genesis 1, at the end of, at the end of Genesis 1, in I think it's verse 31, he says, it's, uh, he creates man and, and he says creation is tov meod. It's very good. And then he, he capstones the whole thing. He puts the cherry on top and says, Sabbath, we're going to delight in this. We're going to just rest and enjoy what I just created, me and Adam. On Sabbath, you're invited to delight in creation with him. Which then moves us into contemplate. <clears throat> we talked about this last week. Contemplation. We had uh, sh- uh, we had Shondaya up there with her gigantic book, right? Fantastic. Love that book. Love that book. That's from my buddy Tucker. It's literally like this big. It's huge. It's some commentary on the Bible that's bigger than the actual Bible. There's a lot of words. And it's really old, super cool book. Never, and never though, I'm getting distracted. So contemplate in the terms of our relationship. This one's a little tougher. I equate this with deeply understanding your partner, with deeply understanding a person. You have spent time and you've, you've developed this relationship to the point where you know each other incredibly well. And you can just sit there and you, you can anticipate what the other person's going to say. So you, you can have conversations without even having a conversation, right? Some of you have knowing smiles. You're like, oh yeah, no, been there, done that. You can be sitting in the same room and all, you're just okay to just sit there in the stillness with the person, right? 
We talked about this last week with Rob talking about the stillness. And in that stillness, in the quietness, we hear God's small voice. The still small voice, the quiet, intimate whisper. And God shows up in that and we can hear him. And we meet God in that empty space. I was on a, a call with a bunch of worship leaders a couple weeks ago and uh, Matt Marr was, there's a name drop for a sermon. I heard Matt Marr say this in a call the other week. Uh, but he, he was talking about Sabbath and he says, um, he's talking about worship in, within Sabbath. And the goal of worship is to run out of stuff to say. As a songwriter, he eventually wants to just not have anything else to say to God. He's run out of words. And he said, in that, in that point, at, that, at that, that crux point there where you've run out of things to say, in that moment, you reach deep contemplation. And we said that, I was like, oh, that's sitting in stillness. I hurried quick to scribble it down. Like, I'm going to use that later. Imagine with that person just sitting there and being so connected with them that you can just sit in the silence and it's all good. Contemplation. So we get to the end of reviewing these here and, and ignoring Sabbath is not just saying, I don't have time for you, God. In, in, in the terms of our, our little relational, imagine yourself with God and you in a relationship Ignoring Sabbath is like ignoring date night with God. It's not going to go well. You don't want to forget that. Here's the problem, though. Finding time for those relationships can be hard. I know it is for me. I get busy with human relationships, and I have trouble keeping enough of those because I get too busy. It's difficult. Our busyness can just, the tyranny of the urgent can just rule your life. And the hard truth is about fitting in Sabbath is that you will always be too busy for it. You're never going to be not busy. Busyness is going to fill up your container every single time. Whatever space you give it, life will fill. It's like a gas that expands into the space. I have a whole analogy there that I'm not going to use. Talk to me later. It's really cool. I talked, about, I talked with my dad about it. It's really cool but like it would be distracting, but it's going to fill up this space. It's going to take every ounce of time that you give it. That's the thing is that you get to choose how much space that takes up. Ultimately you are in control of that. And it's not something that accidentally will happen. It takes time and it takes effort. It takes intentionality and it takes practice to start to develop that. I consistently have to go back and evaluate where I've picked up too many things. And I magically somehow end up with too many plates spinning all the time. I'm like a magnet for spinning plates. Should work for a circus or something. But I have to constantly go back and say, yep, nope. As soon as that plate is done spinning, I am going to just not pick up any more because I got enough left. Or sometimes I'm just like, yep, that one needs to go down. I have to decide and say no in order to maintain that relationship with God because I need to remind myself of that divine order. And that relational time with God is how I get him at the core of me. That's how I get him at the center. And I, I've determined that that is something that I need to prioritize. 
but it's a process. This is a process of, of developing this. There's a, a, an element within psychology called Bloom's taxonomy of learning, I think it is, um, where it describes the process of learning something. And there was a lady named Wendy Sedman that uh, took that, that Bloom's taxonomy and adapted it for Peter Scazzaro and his emotionally healthy and his church and stuff. And oh, Kyle's getting tense. He remembers that chapter. <laughs> that was visceral. <laughs> so this, this five levels of transformation is what they call it. It's the process of learning a new value. It's the process of implementing something into your life. Step one, you become aware of it. Step two, you start to ponder it. Step three, you learn to value it. Step four, you prioritize it. And step five, you own it. All right? So obviously you become aware. This, for Sabbath, this would be like the first time you hear about Sabbath. Could have been recent. Could have been a long time ago. Stephen's like, I didn't even know this was the thing. I just, I showed up at church and now I'm getting blasted by Sabbath. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Step two, you ponder it. This is where you start to think about it. You start to understand it. You start to learn about it. We, we ingest videos from Marty talking about it. And you're like, okay, what is this? You have conversations in care group. You read books about it. You start to ingest and learn to understand it. You might not have a clear uh, inclination for or against it at this point. Step three, you value it. When you value it, you, you start to internalize it. You say, no, this has a value. You decide, all right, Sabbath is worth my time. At this step, you start to dabble in what you might do. You might experiment with some silence or, or you know, trying to, trying to do some spiritual disciplines and work those into things. You start to mess around with that. Um, you might even talk about how important it is. You might be stuck in this phase for like eight years or something like that. I, I wouldn't know anybody that did that. It was me. I spent like eight years in this place, just messing around with valuing it. And yeah, absolutely. I knew all about Genesis being about rest. And I, that was mind blowing when I heard about it. And I, t I would tell people about that, but I really hadn't prioritized Sabbath. I, I, you know, I might mess around with some silence every once in a while, or, uh, you know, I'd talk with all of my fellow young adults about how burnout was real and rush of life was crazy and how we needed to avoid that. And then we'd walk out the door and go get burnt out and rush through life and live chaotic lives. Like constantly, Kyle's like, yeah, preach, get it. That's me. I remember that. I spent like eight years there. And then I shifted last year to prioritizing. And the, the thing here, let's flip up that next slide, is there is a huge gap between valuing and prioritizing. Imagine it's like a, like becoming aware is like a baby step. You realize that you can walk and then, you know, pondering you, another step and then, you know, valuing just another step and then prioritize is like this gigantic reach and it just takes time. Some of us that are a little thick take eight years or bullheaded. That might've been a thing. It takes time to move from valuing to prioritizing because in prioritizing, you shift your time, your schedule, your energy to make Sabbath a priority. And you do this to, in order to live consistently with that new value that you've taken on. You say, I value Sabbath and I'm going to put this, I'm going to prioritize because I value it. 
I made that shift last year. In 2020, I started to work on my rule of life, which is just a, a fancy way of saying balancing out my schedule. It's like, just cool because it's monastic. Balancing out my schedule to jealously guard Sabbath. And I'm not perfect at it. There was plenty of times where like that was a abject failure. Good news, it comes around next week. I get another shot, right? And it takes a step of faith to do this because you're gonna say that maybe everything won't get done. I got blasted by that a couple of times in the last month because I don't know if you know this, but we have a couple things going on with like moving and, and then we did a disciple shift last weekend and, and my parents decided to show up the week before that. I think it was just like, there was all sorts of stuff and things might not get done, but am I going to still prioritize Sabbath? I remember that first one, I talked about it in the first week of, of stopping and doing the, the movie marathon. <clears throat> and I kind of approached it angry, in fact. It was like, it was kind of that, the, I'm, I'm exhausted and I'm grumpy and so I'm gonna go spend time with God and I'm gonna be angry about it with him. Good news, God can handle your bitterness. You might even work on it but I prioritized it. And intentionality is the key here. Like last weekend, I decided, I, I knew I had disciple shift and we were gonna take some people up there and that was gonna take Friday and Saturday in the mornings. And so that was gonna disrupt my normal Sabbath rhythm. And so I said, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna rest intentionally? And so I set up Friday afternoon, I would normally be working on stuff and doing all sorts of things. But I said, nope, Friday afternoon after I get back, I'm not. That's Sabbath. Saturday afternoon after I get back, that's Sabbath. And in fact, it became Sunday afternoon too, because I was like, I still need a little more rest. So I got home and I took a nap. Watched a movie, ate some dinner, went to bed. Saturday, I got home, I took another nap because I was tired. Then I watched my, like, watered my lawn, sitting on my porch. It was very Americana, like picturesque. Uh, forgot to turn my water off, watered half the street over the night. It was fine. It was great. It was really good. It was really exciting. But I was intentional about Sabbathing, about resting. The last step is owning it. And, you know, I don't really do that great yet. I don't think I'm quite there. Um, I'm not quite unconsciously competent. I'm close. I might be like step 4.5 or something, right? But I'm not quite there yet to owning it, I don't think. And as you're looking at this, you might say, you might evaluate where you're at. Like, oh yeah, I'm probably in that, I'm still kind of pondering it. That's okay. We talk about having discipleship conversations with people. And the process of that is walking through these steps with people. Either somebody that's further along you're like, how do, you, how do I need, what do I need to do with this? Or somebody that's a little behind you. You're like, hey, why don't you come value Sabbath, Sabbath with me? Bring them along with you. <clears throat> because Sabbath is about relationship with God. And we want to have that relationship at our core, at our center. Because there's a difference between living in the world for God and being in God for the world. Living in, world, living in the world for God versus being in God for the world. It's a subtle shift. 
but your goal should be to have every area of your life be an outpouring of the love of God. That's the goal that we have, is being in God for the world. If I have him at my core, I can, everything, I can, everything I do can be an outpouring of his love for me and my love for him. And it can start there. And what a beautiful thing that would be, right? We talked about back in, in the John series, the letters of John, about being a light and God is light and we need to shine with that light, right? The only way to do that is to have God at the center, is to have that relationship aligned, Sabbath invites us to remember that divine order, to realign every week. And maybe you're just a little bit off. Maybe you're just a little, and it's just a small adjustment saying, yep, nope, back in line. And I wandered over here and back, back in line every week. And if you do this rhythm every week, then it's a small adjustment as opposed to like, I'm getting way off into left field and I need a whole like spiritual retreat to pull me back into alignment with God. How many times have you experienced that? Where you're like, I need a full reset. Sabbath delays those, postpones those, prevents those. So we're going to move into our implication here. But before we do that, uh, we're going to pass out communion now. Um, invite you that if, you, uh, if you're a follower of Christ, that you are welcome to join us for communion. We have an open table um, to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection. So I invite you to join us with that if, uh, if you're a follower. So as they're passing this out, we'll start working into our implication. And the implication simply is this. Allow your relationship with God to be at your center and overflow into every aspect of your life. Just a tiny little implication. It's a small baby step, baby step. <laughs> Just a little guy. But that ultimately, that is what Sabbath is calling us to do. That's why it's so important, is because it is foundational to aligning that relationship. Josh, you want to grab me one here? Thanks. It is foundational to that alignment. It is absolutely essential. You grab me one here, Bob. Thank you. I'll need that in a second. Set it up here with the Altoids. Perfect. It's foundational. Embracing and, and delighting in that practice is there's nothing bigger in your walk with God. Like spiritual disciplines, absolutely. Prayer time, absolutely. Those are both part of Sabbath, by the way. Um, it's one seventh of your week. That's a huge chunk of relationship time with God. It's a huge that if you experience that, God will fill it. He will show up and it will do things in your life. And then you, it's your choice to, you start to decide to let everything come from this place of I have God in my center and everything starts to be an outflow of that. How I interact with people the fruits of the spirit just start pouring out in the conversations you have with people, in the interactions, how you treat people, the decisions you make, how you do, like how you drive, <coughs> Rob, uh, how you, you know, 
how you go about driving. Like if you have God at the center of you, then it's going to be, you're going to, you're going to be driving like Christ. It'd be fantastic. I wish I could see his face. <laughs> how you take care of yourself Throw him under the bus. I'll throw me under the bus. Remembering that you're not just a tool to be used and put away wet. Like maybe you're a child of God, has some value. You should probably take care of yourself. If you have God at the center, like that's going to start to show up. He's going to start working on things like that. Might have experienced that this year. <clears throat> Hashtag shoulder surgery. Right? Spending time in relationship with God, though, is the only way you're going to put him at the center. I think most of us would agree we want that. You hear that and you're like, that sounds pretty good. To get him at the center, the only way to do that is to spend time with him, to be in relationship with him. And Sabbath is foundational to that. So let's talk some bite-sized next steps. Now that we've looked at the whole elephant, let's carve a chunk off. This week, have a discipleship conversation about your rule of life, your schedule, right? Have a conversation about it. Kyle's like, why you got to attack me like that? <laughs> I didn't plan this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Our LTG's meeting again for the first time this week. <laughs> that's, that's what's going on there. <laughs> We're going to have a discipleship conversation about this. We're going to talk like, this is where my rule of life, don't worry. Mine is so screwed up right now. We're all in the same boat together. We're going to have a conversation be like, this is where I am failing to create space, right? This is where I'm doing well. This is where I have no idea what to do with that. Like that's a hot mess. Help. Have a conversation with somebody about this. Do your day-to-day -day activities reflect an outpouring of God's love for and from you? Does your planned schedule reflect what you value? Does your carried out schedule? So I, I have my schedule that I plan. I'm like, this is the perfect like week, right? And then, then I'll track what actually happens. Oh man, it's a stark difference. <laughs> Sometimes it's a hot mess. Like, well, that was a fail. Real roughly right is what it is. But look at that. Look at that. What, what, the, what, where I actually spend my time? What do I actually value? And how does that help move me through those levels of transformation maybe? Then our last next step here is experiment with how you can prioritize Sabbath in a new way this week. Bite-sized, baby chunk here. This is like back to Marty's video, back where we started. Make it simple. We rest, we play, no work, God loves us. Maybe for you, you're like, like life is chaos and busy and the, the idea of 24 hours of not is, you can't even comprehend it. Maybe that's just too much. Okay, take an hour. Start with an hour. And just say, on Tuesday at 3 p.m., that is me and God's date time. That is us. Nobody's, I'm going to turn off the phone. I'm going to just go for a walk and just spend time with God. I, whatever you need to do to stop, rest, light, and contemplate for that hour, do that. 
take that chunk of time. Talk with somebody about what might, what might be a good next step. In that discipleship conversation, these are really important. In that conversation with somebody, help them figure out what they can do. Help, help them experiment. Bring them along and invite them with what you do, maybe. Or ask to be brought along, depending on where you're, is it a peer-to-peer, an up-down, you know, whatever the thing might be. We're about to move into a series about discipleship. This is not going to go away. Sorry. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about this, but this is a huge, this is a huge opportunity for discipleship. Because this is foundational to getting God at the center of your life. Which is going to change how you live. It's going to change how you interact with people. It's going to change your relationships. It's going to change your life. I don't know if there's anything more important. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.